Hello and welcome to Conversations in Clean Tech, the podcast that celebrates the clean tech industry and the people that power it, brought to you by Brightsmith. I'm your host, Jenny Gabman, and across the podcast, I'll be interviewing leaders, innovators, and entrepreneurs from around the world to explore the opportunities, challenges, and rewards of working in clean tech. From fuel cells to fashion tech, we'll discuss diverse topics such as scaling startups, strains on the C-suite, and seeking investment, while offering some tokens of wisdom to enlighten, engage, and inspire everyone to live their purpose. I am very excited about today. I have a guest who is immensely inspirational, super talented, and to be honest, just a wonderful person, the brilliant Dr. Nilofa Christensen. Hey, Nilo. Hi, Jen. It's so wonderful to be here today. Thanks so much. My pleasure. A bit of background. I was lucky enough to meet Nilo last summer when she was the COO of the Dutch mobility startup Charge Trip. And when it comes to the topic of the show, scaling clean tech companies, Nilu brings a rare perspective, having been central to building multiple clean tech startups before taking the brave, ambitious and super exciting step to found her own businesses. After a hugely successful career with TomTom and ChargeTrip, Nilu stepped away from the future mobility space and is refocusing her brilliance into changing the way we think about clothes. So moving away from fast fashion and buying new and, in her words, embracing the swap. Nilu, welcome to Conversations in Clean Tech. I am very excited to have you here. Likewise. Thanks so much, Jen. That was a, that was a very kind introduction. <laughs> very well deserved. So today we're going to be talking about opportunities, challenges, rewards, the purpose and the huge need for companies who are pushing to make the planet more sustainable for us and for generations to come. And perhaps we'll touch on a few of the hair pulling moments along the way. Before I ramble on anymore, Nilu, it's a great pleasure to have you. Looking forward to seeing where the discussion goes. First off, please do introduce yourselves and give our audience a little insight into who you are. Thanks, Jen. Happy to. Jen has called me brilliant a few times and, you know, I'm, I'm going to shy away from that adjective. So a little bit about myself. I am actually Australian by identity, Indian by heritage. Um, so I grew up in Australia. I moved to the Netherlands about seven years ago and I've sort of been in the sustainability slash mobility space for most of my career, except for now. I'm still in the clean tech space, but as Jen said, I've moved more into the circular economy, more into into circular fashion into that space. I've been in tech products my entire career, so always launching uh, and growing tech products. Educationally, I have an engineering background. I did a, a doctorate in engineering many years ago. Yeah, I guess I've uh, sort of been a bit of a nerd and a bit of a tech my entire career. Startups have always been my passion. I'm now running my third startup. This one is very, very close to my heart, so I'm very happy to talk about it. It's a fantastic concept. And actually, going back to the close to your heart, I think it, it ties in nicely with our strapline at Brightsmith, Live Your Purpose, which I think resonates with almost everyone in clean tech. But I would say you're someone who is pretty unwavering in your commitment to this. So what does living your purpose mean to you? I love that. I love that live your purpose. And I think, to be honest, that changes over time. And I think for me, COVID has also impacted us all, right? Of course. 
And I think what we see now are people are really starting to prioritize what matters to them. You know, as more of us work from home and change the way work is or how we define work, the more we realize, okay, does what I do on a daily basis actually matter to me? For me, the way I live my purpose is understanding and and taking ownership of the fact that there is so much more than just my everyday life. And if I really want to live my purpose and live what I'm passionate about, I have to look outside of that. You know, I can impact my family in a positive way. And I think that's a great achievement. But if you have a platform to do more and to impact people outside of your immediate circle, for me, that's incredible. And that's how I think that, you know, we will actually affect real change if we start to look outside our circles and see how can I positively impact my nested system, the planet as a whole. And every small step we take in that direction is is really such a large step for mankind. And I think that's what living your purpose means to me, doing more than just your everyday. And just a little bit more can go such a long way. And actually, that's very, very relevant to Swap Studio, which is our next point on the agenda, because it is lots of little things that make a huge difference. So I think it's only fair to let you talk about Swap Studio and to tell the listeners what it is and where the idea came from and why the mindset shift that it's driving is just so important. Yeah, absolutely. So Swap Studio is something that I started in November last year. I took the plunge earlier this year to take on the role as a CEO full-time. And it's a company I started because of the immense waste I was seeing from our consumerism. I mean, I look around my own small apartment and I have so much stuff here, including my work wardrobes. I'm not going to the office anymore. I've got two young kids who grow out of things so quickly. But I've also invested in really nice things for them, you know, wooden toys, nice furniture, everything they grow out of so quickly. And I just wanted to make sure that they went to another home, someone who would enjoy them. For me, it wasn't about selling them. It was more about transferring the purpose and the joy that I got from these things to somebody else who I knew would enjoy them just as much. So we started Swap Studio because for me, finding tech solutions to the world's problems is what really drives me. So we launched an online tech platform. It's peer-to-peer. It's where it's an exclusive community. It's a membership community where you can swap things. And whether it's clothing or lifestyle products or kids' products, you can swap things with, with other members using a point system, which we call kudos. So you give things away for kudos and you use the kudos to take other things that you love. And the reason that the things that drive me is the fact that fashion is, you know, one of the largest polluters in the world. It's second only to the oil industry. So it's incredible. I mean, if we if you look at from 2000 to 2014, we actually buy 60% more clothes than we ever used to. We are the ones driving this immense pollution of the planet. And I mean, the, the fashion industry, if you look at it, it, it impacts the climate more. It, it emits more carbon than the maritime and international flights put together. And for me, taking small steps to improve this was such a large driver. Uh, And I knew it was in my power. I mean, this was something in my power I could change. You know, if I could create a platform where it's really easy to reuse things and we really elevate the status of reuse, then it will become the number one choice for consumers. And that's the purpose that's driving Swap Studio. The idea is fantastic. And I think the ambition you have and the energy you're putting into it will ensure the success. However, I think it's safe to say with every startup, there's challenges along the way. So I think that's one of the things that our listeners are always keen to hear is what are those challenges? And perhaps more importantly, how you overcome them. So we're having this discussion at a very crucial point for Swap Studio, because believe it or not, one of my co-founders quit yesterday. So it's only just happened. So talking about challenges, I'm being incredibly transparent and open here because I think that's what your listeners would like. 
Um, I think people need to hear this, that yes, you will face challenges along the way. And we've you know, only been going for a few months and we've have, we faced our own challenges. One other thing to note is also we are founded by women. We are also primarily female owned, which brings its own challenges, right? You know, I have to balance my home life plus work, being a parent of two young kids. That's the same with the other people in my team. They have other commitments and they need to balance that. And at the same time, drive a company that we all feel so passionately about. Uh, so there's constantly going to be challenges along the way. But I think one thing to keep in mind is if you believe in something, you just keep at it. All you need to be successful is just keep going that little bit longer than other people who gave up before you. Go one more day, one more week, one more month, grow another 8%, another 10%, another 15%, and, and success will find you. Sometimes that's all you need to be successful is the fact that you just pushed a little bit harder than those who gave up. And that's what I plan to do. <laughs> I think it's fairly sound advice there. And, and based on a recent discussion we had, I think is an interesting topic that we touched on was investment. Not just the glamorous side of getting investment, but more the chicken and egg. That's how we discussed it. The conundrum of investment. Investors wanting to see the growth and the traction, but not having a backer to get the growth and the traction. And I think you're at that real pivotal moment at the moment of seeking funding. So I think be really interested to hear how it's going and, and what challenges you anticipate. Yeah, you're so right. We talked about this. It is a chicken and egg problem because you talk to investors and what they want to see traction. And to be honest, it's very, very specific, the traction that they're looking for. Uh, and it's almost like all companies get bundled into the same you know, set of criteria, which in a certain way is good because you know exactly what to expect and what to work towards. On the same side, everyone's working from different baselines. So you have a company that's you know, founded primarily by women, owned by women. And what I find as well from when I was working in the big tech companies, you often find that women have to make the dollar stretch a lot more. You have to make your resources go a lot further because out of necessity more than anything else. So often the baseline for women is so much different. What you're able to achieve with less resources is often so much more. And so traction needs to be defined differently for these businesses. I'm not saying don't judge us by the same standards. I mean, Swap Studio is growing at 18% week on week. So please judge me by my growth statistics. I'm more than happy to go toe to toe with any other business. It's more if you look at the resources that we are working with, we have achieved 18% growth week on week by having minimal resources, minimal. I mean, we're working at, you know, with a few hundred euros a month and we're still able to achieve that growth. So I think those things are what need to be taken into account when you're judging businesses like ours, particularly those that are founded by women. Our baseline is totally different and we want to be judged by those statistics. And I think that's equal, it's fair, and it is a changing world. We're seeing the the real landslide shift in perception and understanding of what's required from a founder and that it's not the same for everyone. So I think you raise a, a fantastic point there. And you raise a very interesting point there, mentioning that you're not only female founded, but female led. And one of the things I think we've covered before is that it's not an easy ride. It's not an easy ride for anyone. But I think for certain people where you're juggling not only the startup, which is all consuming, but you're running a home, you're looking after two young children, and also you have another startup on the side. It's a lot. It's a lot to do. How do you manage it? How do you juggle everything and still have a smile on your face every day? <laughs> yeah, it sounds crazy when you put it that way. It really does. And often people do ask me, they're like, how did you launch a business during the corona lockdown, having your kids at home? And we say it like that. It does sound insane. 
But to be honest, I think you, it's something you touched on at the very start. You know, when you're living your purpose, you don't see it that way. Everything I'm doing really is for the betterment of what I'm leaving behind for my family and my kids. And so to me, it's not really work. It really is what drives me. So about my other startup. So I do have a startup I started a couple of years ago and we pivoted. It's actually was, it's also in the sustainability space. It's not tech per se, but we were looking at the problem of single use coffee cups and how we could revolutionize that industry. And so actually we pivoted last year and we invested in R&D and we invented a whole new kind of single use coffee cup and we applied for a patent actually a couple of months ago. I'm non-operational in that business now. I've got two other team members who take that forward, but that's also in the sustainability space and that's always been my passion. So I'm trying to tackle the problem from multiple sides. The juggle is not easy. You know, work-life balance is, you know, something that everyone's always chasing. And I think sometimes you come to terms with the fact that, you know, you're never actually going to get there, but as long as you are living your purpose, you find happiness in that. And even if you find challenges and there's road bumps along the way, but if you are driven by something that means something to you, there's a lot to smile about. And I was actually listening to a video by Simon Sinek, who said, you know, loving what you do is a right. And he wants more people to say that I love my job. And I'm one of the fortunate people who can say that. So that's a lot to smile about. And that makes sense, right? The chances of having a successful startup, if you don't love what you do, are small. Having that passion and the drive to keep going because you ultimately believe in what you do and you love what you do goes back to what you were saying about tenacity. The very fact that if you didn't love it, maybe you have that feeling of, is this worth it? Whereas actually, because you love what you do and because you have that vision and because it does fit with the rest of your life and your family and your purpose, then that's what keeps you going. Absolutely. And I think you really need that, especially if you're going to work in the clean tech space. It is a difficult place to work because the problems you're trying to solve are so big and so challenging. You really need to believe in it. You need to believe in it and you need to commit to it wholeheartedly. That's another thing I learned. Doing a business on the side as a side hustle is lovely, but you really get out what you put in. And it's only when you can commit to your cause and dedicate your time to it and to a certain extent your life to it. I think that is when success will find you. So that's, that's a lesson I've definitely learned the hard way. And success has found you. And I think one of the amazing things that you do is, I was going to say drag people along for the ride, but I don't know if drag is the right word, but bring people along for the ride. I think my husband would agree with you, drag people along for the ride. But you inspire other people and you have an ability to to be able to realize your own vision, but share that vision with other people and to, to get them bought into it. And I think that's probably going to be one of your major reasons that you're successful is people have left their stable, successful careers to, to jump into Swap Studio at such an early stage based on you, based on the fact that you have this vision and you're incredible and you're driving it and you're totally, totally committed to it. And I think I'm going to go back to it. You've dragged them along for the ride, but they're all happy to be there. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I mean, like you have to look at your people first. I think, you know, as I said, a company is like-minded individuals will come together to achieve something bigger. And so the people in your team are so important. And that is a proof point, right? If you can attract like-minded people to jump on board and come along with you, that's already a proof point for what you're trying to do. And that for me was a proof point. I really believe in the team that's come together. I really believe in them. They're incredible. They're all at the top of their game in their own industries. And I think that's what also I now have a responsibility to them. 
to be successful. And again, you know, like success is, is what you make it. And for me, success is just leaving the world a little bit better than when I found it. So not quite there yet. I wouldn't say I'm successful yet, but working on it. <laughs> and they think that's something that might resonate with some of our listeners. It's about the people. You can have the best idea and you can have the best technology and you can have the investment even. But if you don't have the team and you don't have the people who share your vision and have that shared passion, then you know, you have nothing. So I think you really touched on it there. And it's a struggle that a lot of people have in the startup world is building that team and also building a team that's both diverse and has diversity of thought and in turn more creativity. And I think that's something that you've done exceptionally well and are committed to keeping on doing in the future. And I think it, it really, really makes a difference to how quickly a business can grow. I think so too. I mean, if you look, if you want to look at it another way, it is a business opportunity, especially in the clean tech. So many businesses are trying to change consumer behavior and consumer choices. And majority of the consumer decisions in the household are made by women, especially the big purchases. And I think so having a diverse team of diverse backgrounds, Asia is going to be such a big market for clean tech. So really having voices from other parts of the world represented in your company is so incredibly important to actually being successful. It's no longer about the value add. It's actually a business opportunity that we shouldn't be ignoring. And yeah, I'm very focused on that. I think, I think you know, when push comes to shove and companies start to struggle, often people are seen as an asset on your books. And the first thing you do is, okay, how can I reduce the expense of my people? I think that's such an outdated way of looking at business. People are an asset, but they're often an intangible asset. You can't put a monetary value on your people. And I think when push comes to, to shove, the strength of a company is how, how well they stick with their people and how well they support them. And I think COVID has shown that. COVID has shown, you know, so many companies have stepped up and really supported their people. And those are the ones that will continue to push through. I really believe in that. People before product, always. If you don't have the hearts and minds of your people, then you won't get the same productivity, you won't get the same longevity, and you end up in a in a cycle of never really having the commitment. So I think, yeah, grabbing that, finding the right team, holding on to them, cherishing them, and investing in them, investing in their careers and them as people is extremely valuable. Absolutely. And it kind of takes us on to the future. So not just for Swap Studio, but for clean tech in general. How do you see the market evolving over the coming years? It's a good point, actually. And what I am noticing more and more, and I'm sure you've noticed this as well, is clean tech companies are primarily purpose-driven. And a lot of us have come together because we've realized that individuals can achieve you know, so much, but a company is nothing more than individuals who've come together and have more resources to just achieve so much more collectively. So because clean tech companies are so much more purpose-driven, there's so much more willingness and openness to collaborate. In clean tech, the margins actually often not very large. And so you find there's so much more drive to collaborate because we don't want to compete and erode margins, but we know that the pie is big enough for us all to be successful and use capitalism for good. So in clean tech also, I believe companies coming into this in the future will see that it is an industry that's trying to drive profit and trying to be successful financially. But we're trying to use capitalism for good and change the face of that, change the status quo of how capitalism is used for good. And there's so much willingness to collaborate, which is amazing. I mean, I think for us, particularly for my industry, we see more and more businesses trying to embrace the circular lifestyle of their products, which creates a lot of demand for us. And this is in clean tech in general. There's so many more companies embracing the circular economy. So businesses like ours that actually 
elevate the status of reuse become really attractive to high-end lifestyle brands. And yeah, I mean, I keep coming back to it, but collaboration is going to be the key going forward. You know, as I said, a company's individuals coming together and for us to effect really, you know, change on a mass scale, you know, we're tackling problems like climate change. It's going to require collaboration, not at the individual or company level, but really mass level, public private sector partnerships, collaborating with innovation centers around the world. This is what's going to drive the real change and actually get us to tackle these big problems. And touching on climate change there and, and the huge problems that we're facing, how does it feel to know that you're driving something that has the potential to leave such a big impact on the planet? Well, to be honest, I don't think I'm doing enough yet. I feel like I could do so much more. So for me, it still seems like a drop in the ocean. I mean, the problems we're tackling are so large and so complex. And to be honest, it's so much of our own lifestyles that have led us here that I think for me, I'm just not satisfied yet. There's so much more I want to do and so much more I want to achieve. And so much more that needs to be done if we are to solve these big problems in the decade to come. I mean, like I said, I, I want to leave the planet in a much better state to the way I found it for the next generation uh, for my kids. And that means I need to do 10 times more than what I'm doing now. And I will. <laughs> if people like us keep taking small steps forward, you know, in the next decade, we will. I don't think there's any doubt in that for you. What does the future of Swap Studio look like? What's your vision? What's the dream? So the dream for me is that that reuse does become the number one choice for consumers, but we're looking really big. So we want to branch into digital services. So things like dog walking, amateur photography, just spending time with, uh, you know, elderly people, these kind of services that anybody can do really, or you have an uncertified skill that you could use in exchange for kudos that you could then spend in the community. That's an area we want to branch into. We're looking at collaborating with other marketplaces like ours to launch our own, our own clothing brand made from dead stock, dead stock fabrics. We're also partnering with retail brands to help them to sustainably liquefy their unsellable assets. There's a lot coming in the pipeline. Um, the vision is very big. And as soon as I have someone who's willing to take a risk and back my vision, you'll see so much more. And we should be launching globally very soon. And that's what I'm excited for. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said that first. <laughs> Cleaning out the wardrobes, ready and anticipating the UK launch. <laughs> I can't wait to access your shoe collection, Jen. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's a significant pile of shoes that could be doing some good on somebody else's feet while I'm not working in an office. <laughs> Amazing. And I think we both have the ability to talk forever, but as they say, all good things must come to an end. So I think before we leave it, one thing that I would love for you to do is to share some advice. The listeners out there who may already have embarked on this journey, or it may just be a thought on the horizon of how they could make an impact, what would be your top tips for the person that's entering the clean tech journey? This might sound cliche, but honestly, just start. The number of people I've spoken to have amazing ideas, but just don't start. Honestly, to create a website today costs you 10 bucks. Put it out there, just start, and you'll be amazed at the reaction you get. I was amazed. I and mean, we thought we'd get, you know, maybe 20 people signing up. And within three days of putting up our early access page, we had 105 people signing up going, oh my God, I've been waiting so long for a service like this. So my first tip, if you haven't started yet, just start. Reach out to me. I'll help you make a website. It will take 30 minutes. <laughs> Just do it. If you've already started, I know the journey is hard. I'm with you. It's hard. Keep going. 
there's such a bigger purpose to what we're trying to achieve. We're the ones who've polluted the planet. We're the ones who've destroyed nature, for lack of a better way of saying it. And it sounds appalling, but that's what we've done. And it's up to us to clean it up. Keep going. The journey's worth it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I now know that there's several more people out there who will agree you're brilliant. I am not alone. (laughs) Um, I am thoroughly looking forward to being a Swap Studio member when you come to the UK and to see the global growth that, that you're definitely going to experience and to watch your dream become your reality. So the very best of luck, not that you need it at all. Thank you, Jen. I certainly do. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks, Jen. Thank you for listening to Conversations in Clean Tech, brought to you by Brightsmith. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, like, and leave a review. Every time you do, it helps others find the show. For more information on how Brightsmith can help you build a sustainable future through identifying, attracting, and retaining diverse talent, head over to brightsmith.com and join us next time for more conversations in clean tech.